Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a bi-monthly show where we cover the world of gaming and the news that come out of that world. We cover PC games, console games, mobile games even. My name is Patrick Beja and today again I am joined by the one the only Garrett Weindroll who basically um, when was it last week or 10 days ago saw the Destiny 2 announcement and sent me a tweet saying I'm so jazzed about Destiny 2. We have to talk about Destiny 2. I have to come on Pixels. Is <laughs> that, that, that a, an accurate rendition my, of your tweet? I believe my exact wording in a DM to you was shotgun next Pixels. Like, <laughs> I think within five minutes of the Destiny 2 uh, conference ending. Which, you know, it's really cool to see uh, people who are incredibly excited about Destiny 2. I feel like it's a lot of people who are, well, who were excited about Destiny 1. Uh, but we're we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about uh, quite a few things. We're also going to talk about the Nintendo news, including the Global Test Punch, which was the beta test for uh, ARMS, which I tried. I'll tell you what I thought. Um, I can't remember. Do you have a Switch? I do. I, uh, I, man, I, I was one of the lucky ones that did not pre-order, did not make any plans. Oh, right. And, you just showed uh, up. I managed uh, to find one on, on launch day. And I have friends locally who still have not managed to find one. <laughs> So did you try the test punch? Such I did not name. try the test punch. No, I was uh, I was unaware that that was happening. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, well, Patrick, you 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 come on, come on. You know, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah, know my dude, my enough, usual my usual podcast week is very Blizzard focused. I'm I'm not always on the up and up on uh, on Nintendo tests. Uh, uh, yeah, understandable. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Um, there's a bunch of other little tidbits for Nintendo. There's the controversy about far cry 5 which is an interesting one we'll get into uh and then a, a bunch of other little bits but first destiny 2 we have information oh you know yes we do m- <laughs> many many informations <laughs> many informations um you know it's funny because destiny 2 is this thing that is, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, super exciting for a lot of people. And I'm not quite sure it's as exciting to many other people who were disappointed by the first one. It's one of those things where if you if you enjoyed the first episode, then you're, you think this is the best thing ever. And if you haven't, it's kind of whatever. I don't, I mean, I'm sure there are other examples of, of this, uh, in the world of gaming and in many worlds. But um, so it means I'm not quite sure exactly how to approach uh, the presentation of Destiny 2 for this show, because I don't want to make it about like a Destiny fan thing. But at the same time, if it's not fans talking about the game, then it's really just, hey, Destiny is kind of different than number two, but it's still really Destiny, which might be a good place to start. Yeah, this doesn't a, feel like a, a huge change of the formula, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think you, I, I think you're being pretty fair uh, with your with your assessment there. I, th- I think the most accurate thing I've I've heard like 
all week. Uh, well, now all two weeks since it was uh, since the conference was, hey, this looks like what Destiny always should have been. And I completely <laughs> agree with that. I, I do think it's a it's a little cynical and uh, and whatnot, but I think it's it's very accurate. Um, and I was one of those people who was disappointed with the original Destiny, but Taken King really kind of brought me back. It, you know, it, I think that was the reaction for many, many people, and we've talked about it quite often, um, how the Taken Kin fi- fixed a lot of things from the existing offering of Destiny. It seems like this is kind of an expansion on, on that with more activities, more stuff to do. That was kind of the, the speech they made in the beginning. It was like, what they want Destiny to be is a place to hang out where you always have something to do and always have people to play with. Which is absolutely a um, you know uh, 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 something that we should appreciate, but I guess another question is: Does this deserve the number two? I'm not sure we can answer this yet, but does it deserve the number two appendage, or is it really just they realized that people were disappointed with the first one, so they figured we're going to make basically a big expansion, call it number two, people will show up. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it remains to be seen. Uh, although, although at the end of the day, I, I would say hopefully they just went back to square one and and kind of redid their engine. So because we, we, you've we've we've all heard the horror stories of how hard it was to develop Destiny Two uh, because of their internal tools. So I would say right. if, if just from a technical aspect, it is Destiny Two, which means that their development cycle is better and less painful. That'll make me happy. <laughs> Get that they can add things to the game without having to wait a week for it to like internally render or something when they yes and if it yes we've all heard that 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 horror story about how long it took for them to render the world to make changes and then if it crashed they just lost days of work (laughs) to load the world and stuff you know i think one um of the things people are are curious about is going to be is this more of a uh an mmo than Destiny 1 was, because obviously people will remember we kind of were hoping an FPS MMO because of the lack of communication on their part, and uh, it turned out that this was really a shared world shooter. Was that the way they they called it? I can't remember who coined that phrase, but um, it was more of a Diablo shooter than it was a an MMO with persistent world with lots and lots of people in the same place. Um, I feel like this is still going to be the same thing. So let's talk about maybe the things that are changing, um, you know, what we, what the information we got and um, the things that are not changing. Um, the first part, the most important one maybe for new players is going to be the cinematic uh, storytelling of the solo campaign, which was absolutely absent from the first game better in the Taken King, as most things were. Um, (laughs) That seemed like it was... Of course, we've only seen one mission, but it did seem like it had a story that made sense, which I think a lot of people are going to go like, well, (laughs) duh, if they didn't play the first one. But for us, it's kind of a revolutionary move in the Destiny world. What did you think of like the the way they brought people in and they drew people in with the story? Oh, I think think they did a very good job. it looks to me like that's going to be our intro into destiny. So I, I, I mean, I don't know how, how well they'll be able to keep that up. Um, 
And I, I wouldn't expect that, uh, that level of polish from all of the missions because it also right. sounds like we're getting more traditional side quests, which I'm actually rather excited for. But, um, I thought the, the demo that we got to see there was, uh, I mean, it was, it looked pretty darn epic. And like you said, it actually had a, a plot that I could follow, which, uh, see, <laughs> seems like a hilarious thing to compliment. But if you play the original Destiny, you'd realize that that is, uh, that's something that was lacking. That's not a given. Yeah. Um, so basically you're going to get, uh, they, they find, they found a story, uh, artifact to, to, take all the gear away from everyone basically the old base is destroyed our uh, masters for each class are scattered uh, we have four planets as we did in the original game but they did mention the pl- the, the zones uh, specifically the european dead zone which is the zone on the earth um on earth <clears throat> sorry um is is twice as big than any zone that they've had in the past which I don't think is incredibly um, significant. It's still, I mean, it's bigger, it's cool, but it's still a zone which is not like an open world kind of area. But we're still going to have like four different planets, fairly different environments. One of them is like a, a, an eternal sea of methane. Um, there's yeah, that's one... a, a Titan, which uh, I really like the the concept of in in general. Like overall, just the art. I'm very excited about the direction they're they're taking their planets in this in this one. Yeah, um, the the other one I I really liked was I can't remember the name of it, but uh, basically it's a planet that has been uh, colonized by the robotic race of the game, uh, the Vex. And they have all sorts of weird structures in there, and it's it has it, its own fauna. And so there's a lot of personality to each planet, um, which I think wasn't, you know, it was the case in the first one, but um, it's not, it, it seems even, even more pronounced in this one. But it's still four planets, right? It's the same as the, the first game. Yes, yes. But if the, if the zones are larger, which, uh, once again, Patrick, I agree with you, is not hard to accomplish compared <laughs> to the first game. Uh, it's still, I mean, that's a huge boon in my book. And also, like, just seeing uh, Earth was one of the biggest disappointments for me in yeah. the first one. I was like, wow. Like, there's, uh, like, leading up to it in the, in the promotions for the game, I was like, this is a, a very unique science fiction world. I can't wait to see what it, they did with Earth. And, and I mean, everything, because it's all taking place within our solar system. And then I get to Earth and I get like a very small rust bucket. It's like <laughs> all I get to see of Earth. So, yeah, basically anything beyond that is making us happy. It's kind of it's very it's very, you know, ironic slash difficult to I think it's we in the Destiny community absolutely understand why this is genuinely exciting i think it's very difficult to communicate that excitement to people outside of the uh, destiny community because everyone looks at what we're talking about and is going like eh you know or like oh okay well i guess it's the same and i don't know but if you know for example what happened in taken king that one zone where it it was so rich, like so dense. There were so many things to discover, so many activities, so many little things that you would get curious about. And you go and explore and you hear something when you're somewhere near a, a specific place. And, you, you you know, it's unusual. So you explore it a little bit further and then you realize that it says something about another place. So you go explore that. And a lot of the 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 
discovery and sense of exploration was conveyed incredibly well, especially in The Taken King, not so much in the original one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Destiny, the original one, um, is it? I mean, let's it is not a talk game. about it anymore, right? <laughs> well, well I was, what I was going to say is, I think it's a game that's just very easy to make fun of. Like it's, mm. it, it, but I think if you enjoyed it, you enjoyed something despite uh, many extremely apparent faults. So if you did enjoy it, which I think you and I both fall into the category of, that uh, Destiny Two is a, is a very exciting prospect. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about many other things you can do. There are going to be, as you said, some kind of side quests, some uh, uh, adventures that you can go on in the middle of your regular uh, quest. Uh, there's The things that um, they're adding are building blocks on, on a, what became, after a couple of years, a solid base uh, for the game. So there's lots of things to do on the, the planets. There's no more need to return to orbit, which was an infuriating bit of uh, interface design or networking design. Um, you had to basically go back to orbit, load out of the zone, and then load back into another one. Now you can just... Uh, select the place you want to go to and you're going to load into there um you have a map and you know i'm not absolutely certain we needed a map but we're going to get one um and you're going to be able to go to the different places very quickly um there's basically they're making the new uh subclasses into uh variations on the previous ones but what was fun, I think it's a good time to talk about the, the core fun of Destiny. And we've mentioned it a few times, but really what's really fun about Destiny is the gunplay, the core gameplay loop of um, being in the game in an FPS and it feeling so right. And it feels joyful to be shooting at all of those enemies and every few minutes, every two or three minutes, you get that super and again, especially since the Taken King happened, the supers are what they call roaming supers. So it's not in the in the beginning, in the original game, it was just basically one action. So you would throw a bubble to, to protect your team, uh, uh, kind of a barrier, or you would throw a, a massive projectile that would explode everything in the, in the um, where you threw it. But that was it. In the Taken King, they turned them into uh, active things where you would be in that state for... 10, 15 seconds, and you would uh, fry everything in the surroundings. And you got to have this, ones. like, hero moment. It was, and, and because exactly. of the three classes, um, there's not a lot to differentiate the three classes in Destiny, aside from the supers, and it gives you this kind of, I, I think of it like this Avengers moment, where you all get to kind of show off. It, that's, it, that is a perfect way to, to say that. And especially, you know, Avengers, given that one of the new supers is basically Captain America. So, oh, I'm meeting uh, a Titan from day one. I'm going yeah. to be Captain America. It's, <laughs> I can't wait. And, and it really feels, it makes you feel like a, an incredible badass, you know, for those, like it's a badass simulator. It makes you feel like you're the, the strongest character on the planet. You're frying everyone. You're throwing hammers at everyone. And in this one, you know, you have, Similarly, those uh, uh, flaming swords that you throw on the ground, and you're like you you leap from place to place, and it's 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 it feels great, and that the core part of the game is still there. 
Um, there are some minor things that are changing. The the way the weapons uh, loadouts work are a little bit different. That's going to be details for anyone who hasn't been hardcore into Destiny. Um, the PvP environment is going to be 4v4 instead of uh, 6v6. Uh, so they hope to make that a little bit more uh, balanced and uh, uh, controllable for because it was a little bit of a, a a mess in the 6v6 uh, PvP games. I enjoyed it, but I'm not a big PvP guy. Um, and there's another feature, which was, I think, the most interesting one um, that they talked about uh, in the game. One of the uh, most famous... I, I don't want to say shortcoming, but, well, actually, I do want to say shortcomings, but it really isn't uh, of the game that is a philosophical design choice is the fact that they don't have matchmaking for all of the activities for the hardest ones basically uh the strikes which are dungeons um the hard version the the uh dark nightmare dark fall nightfall nightfall thank you uh, nightfall strikes it's three people the the dungeon activities are three people and the raids are six people so for both of those you can't queue in and get into them you actually have to go in and find uh people to form a group uh, w- via you know your friends social platforms outside platforms and um it's never felt it every time i managed to get into a game with this it was great because you actually knew the people you were discussing things a little bit and it was Usually, maybe not 100% of the time, but usually it was great. And the challenges were so satisfying when you managed to overcome them. There wasn't any of the trivial feeling that you have when you have random matchmaking. So, but what they, they didn't want to go to random matchmaking. So what they they're doing is what they're calling uh, guided games, which is a system where a clan, which by the way is also going to be included in the game and managed by the game, Finally. which it wasn't before. Yeah. Um, so a clan that has four or five players for a raid can elect to uh, get one or two additional players from the pool of random solo players to accompany them in the raid. And they can explain the spirit in which they're doing it, you know, if they're tryhards, if they need you to know everything uh, there is to know, or if they can accompany you and teach you the ropes. Um, and you can decide whether or not you want to join this or that clan for that thing. I think it's a great idea. I do have a little bit of a concern uh, in, uh, regarding the imbalance uh, in numbers between number of clans that are going to be uh, offering that kind of experience and at any given time, a number of solo players which are going to want to take part. I think there are going to be a ton of solo players and only a, f- a few clans available for those. Um, I, I agree. I think this is one of the, this is probably simultaneously the most interesting and the most skeptical uh, feature being added for me. Uh, I, social engineering fascinates me in, mm. in, uh, in online multiplayer games. And that's clearly what they're trying to do here. They even, like, they even brought up toxicity like in their conference. And it's like, of, of course, that's, that's, that's in the back of their mind. How do you, how do you curate a social experience and, and, and try and minimize uh, player toxicity as much as humanly possible? So do you think that would work with this system? I, I do not know, but I think it is uh, one of the most unique approaches I've seen so far. Certainly, yeah. I mean, I've, I've maybe another game has uh, used a system like this one before, but I haven't seen it. And I think it could be quite efficient because imagine if you're the one person or the two people who show up in a group 
of people that already know each other, converse, uh, you know, via voice chat and know the encounter, know what they're doing, or at least know what they're trying to do. It becomes really hard to be a jerk yourself, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I... I I used to do pickup raids and WoW like back in Lich King and okay. they were they were still very positive experiences uh, because at the time there weren't really tools in the game to make it easy so by the time we actually got the group together we were all kind of like we knew we, okay we're here to actually get something done and we we if someone messed up we didn't flame them we taught them what they were doing wrong and how to do better right um now that's not always the case <laughs> I'm sure other of folks course, out there are like course. oh man Garrett I did the same thing it was a terrible experience but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, so it's just interesting. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, I uh, I saw every possible thing I could in Destiny as a solo player, and sadly that it did not involve the raids. Um, I oh, did you actually didn't do get, any of the raids? No, I did not do any of the raids because my my friends were spread across both consoles. I've actually pl- I played on both oh. consoles to try and play with my friends, but uh, by the time every, I could never herd enough cats into the same group <laughs> to get a raid done. And it sounds like I am not alone in this because it, it sounds like for like the verbiage that they chose to use in this conference that uh, Bungie kind of ran into the same issues that uh, Blizzard did during vanilla World of Warcraft, where they're just like, hey, uh, like three guilds saw Nax Ramus, guys. Why did we spend this much time building this? <laughs> yeah, that's basically the issue. Um, although there were communities online on the PlayStation Network, you know, there are those community group things that uh, happened in the middle of the lifespan of Destiny 1, which helped a little bit. Um, there were also outside websites that you would go to and register, and like people would send you invites pretty quickly. Um, so I did end up seeing the, I think, one uh, of the raids, the, the, uh, the, the raid from uh, the Taken King. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really sad that you didn't get to experience it because it was a very cool experience like oh everyone i've talked to when i mentioned that they're just like you you missed the best thing in all of destiny which were the raids so it's uh, it's definitely you know it's it's hard to explain because people who have played mmorpgs kind of know what raids are but when you're doing it uh in first person view it is different and the mechanics at least on the the raid i've seen uh, but even in the intro of um the the original raid uh, which is something i did uh it is very special you know there are i don't know why it feels so different from an mmo but you know in an mmo you're at a distance from your character you're looking at everything from above and you're seeing crap on the ground you shouldn't stand on and you feel like you know you're controlling another character but obviously in an in a first person shooter you're in the middle of it and um one of the encounters i remember is the first one for the first raid so it's six people you have um four spots you have to stand in and you have to stand on them uh, in order to uh, i'm sorry three spots uh, so two three groups of two and you have to stand on them in order to activate this door that will open to uh, let you enter in the raid um and there are a couple of things there first of all when you stand on there of course the uh, enemies start showing up and you have to collaborate with two people and sometimes call out on a third one because you're not managing to kill enough of them and one of your guys died and like it's very hectic very cool but the other thing is also none of this was explained in any way um so you would go there 
And that's that's been a common thread in Destiny. You would go there and try stuff. You know, you would stand in the thing and you would see the thing that would start lighting up. So you would go, you find another thing and try to stand on both of them. And, oh, right, okay, I started understanding. This one is very simple, but there are a lot of them like this. And it's, I don't know, again, there is something very special about that experience, which uh, is unique to the Destiny raids. Not, you know, regarding the game, but also regarding um, games in general. Like, I haven't really had that experience anywhere else. Um, so it's very cool. And the, the, the raids for the so complex as well, the things you have to do are not easy. Um, and anyway, it's just great fun. I'm really hoping this works out at least a little bit so that we can experience the, the raids, uh, more people can experience the raids. Um, and then we get to the technical stuff. Um, it is going to be on PC as well. We'll get to Battle.net in just a second, but it won't have cross save. Um, that is what, that is one disappointing aspect of it. At least we were hoping, you know, cross save between consoles and PCs, but that's not going to be possible. The PC version might not make it in time for the release uh, of uh, September 8th. Um, and they won't have dedicated servers, which is really an interesting, uh, uh, thing to explain. I'm not going to get too much into it, but if you have the opportunity, go check out the uh, GDC talk uh, uh, by uh, Justin Truman about uh, Destiny's network mission architecture, which is incredibly geeky and incredibly nerdy. Uh, it's basically how the network system works in Destiny. Uh, and I'm not going to go into all of it because, first of all, I didn't understand all of it, <laughs> but... It, it was super interesting. And what it comes down to is I think a lot of people don't understand a lot of the brilliant work that went into designing the uh, interface of Destiny. Um, they really came from a uh, Halo background, and that was their starting point. And they tried to, to figure out how can we make a Halo-like uh, game, but where the world is shared by everyone and anyone can go from any place to any place all the time. And uh, we still have that P2P architecture hybrid with uh, servers that are holding some of the information of the, the world, but enough that the transitions can be smooth and you never feel like you're transitioning from one thing to the other. And when you understand that, I think there's a lot of how Destiny works, which becomes a lot clearer. Why the scope of Destiny isn't as big as people had hoped. Why uh, there are this number of people per um, per per instance, quote unquote, which they, they call bubble. Uh, why they're doing it still with P2P rather than having dedicated servers. I'll boil it down. Basically, it's so that it's doable, understand, you know, cost-wise, but that it's doable. But it's very cleverly done. It might not be the best solution for super competitive, extra hardcore PvP uh, players because they they might be uh, feeling a little bit more lag. But it's it's a really... Anyway, it's very clever. Um, and it it explains a lot of their thought process going from Halo to Destiny. I really encourage you, if you're interested in these kinds of things, uh, it's called Destiny's Networked Mission Architecture by Justin Truman. And it's available as a GDC talk, which is, again, fascinating. Um, 
But yeah, so Battle.net, we're two giant blizzard nerds. Um, we are. That is a true statement. <laughs> what did you think when uh, we saw Mike Morheim's face appear in the live stream and he said, it's going to be a Battle.net? Oh man, I feel like I've I feel like I've I've mentioned my reaction so many times now, but uh, like it's boiled down to this was the most surprising thing of the entire damn conference for me, and then right. afterwards it seems like a no brainer, and I feel really dumb. <laughs> it's you know, it is a no brainer. Um, I think it, there's a lot to discuss about the implications from for Blizzard for Activision, um, which we can get into, but. The essential aspect of it is that I think this is a perfect storm for Bungie, Activision, and Blizzard. And as you said, it's kind of obvious that they're going to do it like this. I mean, first of all, they need to bring the game on PC. They're working with Activision in very close partnership. Activision Blizzard already has Blizzard's launcher. Why not put it there? Like, why go spend incredible amounts of money developing uh, something like that? Because it's going to be taking, uh, uh, leveraging the entire social infrastructure of the Blizzard app. Um, and so, first of all, you need to build that. And second of all, why give 30% to Steam, to Valve? There's no reason to do that. Nope, right? No, there's not. Um, yeah, which is exactly exactly why I said after I thought about it for more than five minutes, I felt extremely dumb for not seeing this coming. <laughs> and it's also, you know, I think it makes sense from a financial standpoint, but it also makes sense from a community standpoint. Um, the two games I keep referencing when I'm talking about Destiny are World of Warcraft and Diablo, Diablo 3 more specifically. Um, they are perfect for that community. You know, I, I I wonder what kind of reaction you've seen from uh, people in the Blizzard communities, but um, it, it's all been very very positive for for the most part. Um, like I don't think I I don't think I've heard from a single person like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Uh, it it does just it does just make sense. It is it is definitely strange and new that we're getting a non blizzard game on the just rebranded blizzard app which now seems like they should have just kept it battle.net because now it's not all blizzard <laughs> games uh but um i mean now that now that it's there i mean destiny it's a it's a loot game it's a social experience and that's pretty much what blizzard is known for making at this point i mean there was a point where rts was their bread and butter but it's not really anymore yeah it's and, and you know the most people have been telling me you know, I probably wouldn't have tried Destiny otherwise, but if I'm going to see it on the Blizzard launcher, maybe I'll give it a try. And uh, some people were saying, uh, it feels dirty, it feels weird that there's going to be a non-Blizzard game on the Blizzard app, and I understand that feeling. It's, it's, I think it's like I've said this uh, in other places, but I think it's like someone who's a super fan of Apple seeing a Microsoft product in an Apple store. They'd be like, wait, that's no. That's out of place. That doesn't work. Um, and seeing, you know, the the little toast, uh, the pop-ups uh, in the chat, seeing someone with the Destiny icon when you're playing, I don't know, Overwatch or World of Warcraft, that's going to be weird. But... I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm fine with fine. it. I'm totally, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I couldn't, be, I couldn't have a more biased reaction because my, yeah. my, single, my single greatest pain with the original Destiny, besides the initial launch where I think it was deeply flawed, uh, was, uh, was the social aspect. It was a social game mm -hmm. where I was just fighting against the, the, the game itself uh, to have a social experience. And for me, the Blizzard, like, 
ecosphere is is my social experience online right right yeah no i i agree i think it it's uh there's that and there's also the fact that you know the blizzard launcher is absolutely a hundred percent uh premium prime real estate Right, so that's going to put the game in front of many, 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 many people's eyes, as we mentioned, that might not have checked it out otherwise. But it's like, it's it's hard to explain. It's kind of like uh, managing to put your 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 product on primetime TV. You know, everyone like on super targeted primetime TV. Um, it, it, you're talking to people who might be interested in it, who will see it and have their attention uh, uh, captured by that placement. You know, just the fact that there's an icon, and I'm sure there are going to be some um, promos on the other games tabs and all of that. But um, oh, yeah, I better it's... get a uh, I better get a ghost pet and wow that tells me wizards came from the moon. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if they're going to do that. It would be cool. I think it it would be very nice. Um, some people mentioned, you know, seeing Destiny characters in Heroes of the Storm. I'm sure that would be a more complicated, uh, you know, difficult proposition. Well, they'd have to <laughs> they'd have to make a, a character and a kit and all that jazz. But I mean, no, I, uh, I, I mean, hey, Anna, yeah. Anna in Overwatch basically already has a Destiny skin. So yeah, there is one that is very reminiscent of that. That's true. Well, it's, it's Destiny is all get out. Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, we've been talking about Destiny 2 for uh, 30 minutes. I think that should uh, summarize our excitement for the game. I'm, I am I, can't wait. I'm thinking I'm probably going to get it on consoles if it comes out on consoles first, and then I'll get it on PC anyway. That's, so, that's um, my thought process as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get, you know, into the marketing machine that will make me buy two copies what can i say it's okay it's for work it's for work um business expense sorry business expense exactly of course absolutely still you know when you're a a a one-person company it still means money out of your pocket but a little bit less because of the taxes and all of that so oh yes oh yes um all right let's talk about nintendo for a little bit um as uh, some people knew, apparently not Garrett, um, <laughs> the test punch for ARMS uh, happened this weekend. There's another one next week, I think. Is it next week or the one after? I think it might be next week. Um, so you still have a chance to try it out before it comes out. But okay. um, it, So it was uh, three times one hour. I uh, got the opportunity to play it for about half an hour. Um, I didn't, uh, spoiler, I didn't really feel the need to play more than that half an hour. Ah, interesting. Okay. Mm. I mean, I've seen a lot of very positive feedback. Some people seem to love that game. I didn't quite hate it, but I think I didn't really understand it. Um, And you know I come from a background of love for fighting games. So, oh, by the way, I need to pre-order Tekken 7. It's coming out in three days. Oh, we're crying out loud, Patrick. There's, uh, there's a, a yeah, but character I mean, ARMS, 
like, I, I would, would you call arms a fighting game? Because to me, it doesn't look like a tr- this doesn't look like a Tekken or a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's almost like calling like Smash Brothers a fighting game. Well, <laughs> I think you just offended a lot of Smash Brothers fans. They are. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Smash Brothers fan. It's just it's it's its own. It, it's, its, it's own, its own I think. thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Like you have your Tekkens, your Street Fighters, your Mortal Kombat's, which all kind of live within. I think a very specific genre, and then I think you have uh, games like like Super Smash Brothers Brawl and and, and Melee and so on and so forth that uh, that they're they're just very unique in what they do. Yeah, that's fair enough, and certainly Arms is very unique. Um, so I'm not going to describe it. I'm sure everyone knows what Arms is. Um, but the takeaway I got is that it's it's relatively it's quite fun. Um, silly fun the matches are really short so you can chain them um very quickly they're about uh, you know a minute 100 seconds each i think a minute and a half it's just one round uh there's a good variety of games uh basically you you get randomly in that mode at least uh you get randomly uh put in different modes so you have 2v2 sometimes you also have like three people free for all you have a weird beach ball game um that also uh comes up sometimes um the lobby is really clever basically you're in put automatically in a lobby um where you have basically little pictures of your avatar um as a visual representation of what's happening and you have six of them in that lobby and the 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 circles with your avatar's face move around and coalesce into a match so uh, when there's someone that is, you know, there are two people that are available, then they get grouped and you have a 1v1 match. And sometimes you're going to have four people available, so they group and, and you see them in a bigger circle with divided in halves and you see it's a 2v2. Um, and during all this, as it's searching, you can always train. So you have a, a very easy way of... Um, uh, basically pressing just one button and you have a little training room that appears and you're training in the game. It is super cleverly done, especially when you're thinking about Street Fighter V, which is horrible in that aspect, in that respect, uh, although their new netcode is rolling out uh, today. So we'll see if that fixes some of that. Um, but it, there's a lot of cleverness going on in arms i just felt like the game itself was a little bit i didn't find the technicality of the game um and it felt to me like a lot of randomly punching and i'm sure it isn't um maybe half an hour isn't enough to find the depth in the game but it just it i didn't find it so for me it felt for half an hour i was like randomly kind of winning games and like the the throwing of the punches and uh you know angling them to go one uh, direction or another didn't feel like it was fast enough or appropriate enough to be technical. I'm guessing maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, it didn't feel like a, a great core gameplay. So we'll see. Maybe, you know, people uh, will prove me wrong, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't won over by that aspect of the game. So that's kind of, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be buying it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the core. It's the core aspect of the game. So if you weren't won over by it, it doesn't sound like it's your type of game. Yeah, definitely. That'd be like saying, "Well, I didn't like the shooting in Destiny." So, uh, <laughs> well, I think there it. is a chance that I didn't understand the technical aspects of it. You know, it might be that I just didn't get it, and if I did, I would like it. I think that's why there's a little caveat there. But I'm not, you know, very hopeful that that's actually the case. 
Uh, hey, there's a Pokemon TCG game that might be coming to mobiles. That's uh, oh, like the convergence of, of two of your favorite things in the world. I'd be pretty jazzed if that happened, actually. I haven't touched the uh, Pokemon TCG since it came out in the States, I think in 96, 97. I, game came out in 96. I, I don't know the lag between the, the Game Boy game coming out and the card game coming out, but it was around the same time. I haven't touched it since. I barely even played it back then. I mostly just collected the cards. But uh, if it... Uh, <laughs> If it came, if I could play that on my phone, I'm I'm there. Would you would you play this? I mean, in a world of uh, Hearthstone, do you play any other trading card games than Hearthstone? Out of uh, just Magic from time to time. Okay, okay. I guess yeah. I, I was gonna say then it's just another card game, but there's Pokemon, and that's a huge draw, right? Yeah, I I love Pokemon, and I I've been you know, so. I'm I'm very strange. I, I missed the boat on a lot of uh, a lot of very nerdy activities as I was growing up. I played my first game of Magic when I was 24, uh, and it got really into it. And then two years later, uh, I think two years, three years later, shortly after Hearthstone came out, obviously got very into that. Uh, if you know anything about the other podcasts that I do, and uh, so so now I just I just I enjoy card games. I don't I don't usually go into a deep dive into really any any others than than Hearthstone and Magic, but. Uh, Pokemon, like, because looking back on it, like, oh, here's a game I actually took part in but didn't really play when it originally came out. And so, like, if this comes out and it's a way to actually play the card game, I, I personally would be very excited to go and finally experience the gameplay of the Pokemon card game. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be in that same boat. Um, yeah, especially... I think my point was, if I want to play it now, there's, there's a lot of buy-in. I have to go get a bunch of cards myself, and I have to convince my friends to go and get a bunch of cards. Right. Yeah, and obviously that, you know, um, the Pokemon... Uh, the draw to the Pokemon brand is huge, as we've learned with Pokemon Go, uh, or as we've confirmed with Pokemon Go. And people have been educated to card games with uh, the popularity of Hearthstone. So it's kind of a perfect... Um, perfect mix-up there. Um, Monster Hunter XX, which I learned is called, is actually pronounced Double Cross, uh, is going to be coming to Switch. And I'm still looking for that one game that is going to make me understand the Monster Hunter type games. I'm not sure, you know, I've tried every demo of Monster Hunter game I could find and never enjoyed it. But maybe that one is going to be it? I doubt it. Maybe there's going to be a demo I'm going to try and be disappointed by again. It's a franchise that has always interested me, but apparently never enough to get me to go out and actually buy it. You know, have you tried the demos ever? No, no. Okay. I had one friend in college and who was just <laughs> obsessed with it, and, and that, was, that was as far as my flirtation with, yeah. with Monster Hunter really kind of pursued. It always seemed very cool, but also like uh, if I want if I want uh, a wow to stay in my life that I don't have the time to even right. dip my toe in it. It, it seems like it's a very uh, time-consuming game. Um, all right, there is uh, more Mario and Raving Rabbids RPG type thing uh, leaks. Basically, everything has been leaked. And it's funny because in, they have some uh, marketing slides uh, from pres an internal presentation. And there's the timeline in one of those. And they're saying, like, I can't remember when it was, like, in June, probably around E3, uh, big reveal. And, you know, it's like, well, we already know all of it. <laughs> but um, it's 
it it's a crossover between Mario and the Raving Rabbits. There's some form of exploration, some form of turn-based combat. Um, there's weird Raving Rabbits versions of Mario, Peach, and other characters. Um, I don't know. It's going to be called Mario Rabbids, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> That's pretty much my reaction as well. I don't have a lot to say here. I think yeah. the Rabbids are mildly humorous, but I don't need to exactly. play a whole game with them. <laughs> I think that is the way I would absolutely describe them. Mildly humorous. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also had a trailer for Splatoon 2's single player mode. So there's going to be a single player mode in Splatoon 2, which could be cool um, for some people if you're not so much into the um, PvP aspect of the game. Um, and then we move on from Nintendo to the other bits of news. The first one of which is going to be uh, Far Cry 5, which was announced uh, along with a little bit of marketing material. Some fairly cool stuff um there's it's going to be happening in montana there are basically there is a town being taken over by a group of religious fanatics uh they they're christian fundamentalists and you have um a number of little videos of people from that town basically explaining what's happening uh three different characters there's a a young woman uh, in a bar there's a priest and there's a a young guy uh, fixing a plane and it's it's really well directed there's a sense of cinematography and drama which are really well done Um, and uh, there's also there was a piece of marketing material which was basically uh, the last supper but with those religious fundamentalists um it, it, you know, instead of Christ and the apostles, and as we also often see in many uh, uh, instances. And overall, the whole thing was received, I think, pretty well. A lot of people were excited about Far Cry 5, except for a group of special people. Um, I even <laughs> hesitate making, uh, uh, even talking about it, but I think it's it's still worth it. Uh Basically, some extreme members of what I think is fair to call the alt-right or Gamergate um, are really upset that this is an an anti-white game. And I honestly don't know how much of it is genuine. I'm sure some of that outrage is genuine. And I don't know how much of it is trolling. Like, there's a petition on change.org which is worded so outrageously that it seems like a troll. But at the same time, you know, it's, it says sad things about our world that I'm looking at this and I'm not certain it's a troll. Um, people demanding more diversity in the uh, roster of bad guys in that game, which is hilariously ironic given uh, the fact that basically the entire Gamergate movement was fighting against diversity and, uh, you know, having more representation for different uh, parts of the, the, the population in games. So I don't know what to, to think of this. I don't know if it's like an actual... Every comment I've seen about this seems to be making fun of it. There's no one genuinely maybe in some recessed dark corners of the internet there are some people actually upset about this i'm guessing there are but i'm wondering if it isn't like a few hundred idiots 
and the entirety <laughs> of the rest of the internet looking at them and pointing and saying and being outraged by really a, a, a hundred morons. I don't know. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm <laughs> having all of the same exact pretty much reactions as you. Um, and the, the only other, the only thing I would add is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to play, play this game. Um, because of, because of the setting, I, I grew up in the South. I grew up uh, going camping and spending a lot of time in like cow pastures and out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, so I, I saw the trailer for this and I had instantly just the schism of reactions of, <laughs> oh, my God, I cannot wait to have like the American South as this gunplay playground. Like I, I literally I cannot. I'm so excited that that's where I'm going to get to go and just just unleash. Wait, Montana um, isn't in the South. What's that? Montana isn't in the south, is it? No, but, it's the, the, oh, but it's the same. Right, I see what you mean. Just remove the mountains, and you right, basically right, have right. you basically. Have, it's a very. It's it, everything is very. It's very rural. Okay, it's mm -hmm. very much uh, small town farms, pastures, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so I'm very excited about that aspect. And at the same, and on the the, the flip side, my schism is. Oh man, we didn't really need uh, another <laughs> another representation of uh, of where I live as a bunch of religious zealots. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I think I think it's it's like this. It's funny that you say this, and this might be a little bit more political than we want. But I'm fairly sure that that's the reaction that a lot of people get in the Middle East when they see the caricatural terrorist Arabs in half or you know 90% of the western pop culture um, yeah and I'm, I'm, that is not what i'm arguing against yeah yeah no <laughs> of course i agree know, with you it's interesting um, yeah. and and yeah you're absolutely right I, th i think it's it's interesting that i'm having that i i was I, i mean i'm talking more about like almost a reaction just within our own country because I, i think there's a lot of that discussion ah, being right. had right now for very obvious reasons <laughs> Uh, and, and, it, and it's more like, I just kind of like want to, I want to poke my California friends and be like, guys, seriously, I've lived there. I've lived both places. <laughs> We're not all like this. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd say a couple of things. I'm not sure which studio is doing Far Cry 5, uh, but it's Ubisoft, uh, as a company. So it's a French company. So you can blame us, uh, instead of your Californian friends, I'm sure. Um, and, and the other thing is, uh, when you look at the game, I'm pretty sure the people fighting those uh, religious zealots are, well, I'm not pretty sure it is, the people from that area. It's like, basically, you took over our town and we're going to, you know, get you out. Um, oh, yeah, 100, 100%. I, I'm talking about the, kind of the surface level right, controversy right, right, yeah. uh, where you have uh, folks from the Gamer Gate movement and from the alt-right saying that this is some kind of like anti-white and, and, oh, and that's, everything, that, that, everything that that boils up, like uh, talking about this, like this, this shouldn't be seen as an accurate representation <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. of and, and if you can just remove that from your mind, just, just shut up and have fun with it. And if it offends you, don't play it. Yeah. It's really funny. It's also the 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 parallel between oh, but you know the 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 minorities rep representation about this and the, now the whites being felt like they're in the minority. I think there's a lot of disconnect between what actually is a minority and why representation matters for a minority and not so much for a group that isn't. You know that is the the dominant group. Um, 
but yeah, anyway, so basically the game looks really cool and far cry um in you know with far cry uh, 3 specifically sort of opened up the game to a lot more people and there were a lot of clever things done in that game uh the previous ones were good as well but uh four and uh, three and four were especially good and uh, primal went in a slightly different direction but five is coming back to the modern times um i think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had in this one it's coming out at the end of the year um, the Crew 2 was also announced, by the way, if you didn't realize that The Crew was a successful game. I didn't. Um, I, guess I, I, I enjoyed the first Crew. <laughs> yeah, you Actually, did? I, really? I had a good okay. time. I like my racing games. I enjoyed the first Crew. Yeah. I, liked the, uh, I liked the open world aspect of it. I love that there was a representation of the Seven Mile Bridge going to the Florida Keys in a video game. Mm-hmm. But that's an right. extremely personal deep cut, so yeah. <laughs> maybe it didn't land on everyone else the same way as it did with me. What but, was good uh, about about the crew beyond the open world? Because there's lots of racing games that have gone open world since then. I, I think for me, it was like it was just this. It really captured this kind of this desire to get a fast car and drive as fast as you can across the United States. <laughs> more than a game like Forza, or I, I guess it wasn't uh, yeah, the United for, States. Because uh, Forza, Forza's never captured that particular locale. Uh, okay. For, Forza is for me as as someone who who doesn't get to travel a lot and lives in America. Forza is like this. It's the dreamland for cars. It's this this beautiful. It's like Middle Earth for cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the first crew ended up being this this kind of a, attainable thing that I could never legally do because I can't I can't get on Route sixty six ah. and drive one hundred and fifty miles an hour. I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Did you did you get into the multiplayer aspect of it? Like, did you randomly form groups or you know? No, not that... not, not really. Okay, you yeah. played it solo. Basically. My my again my my issue with trying to be uh, have a social experience in driving games is it, it was very similar to Destiny. Uh, except mm. pe- my friends actually played Destiny, but we were never on the right the same console. Whereas uh, no one I know gives nearly any crap about driving games like I do. <laughs> but you can play with other people. I think that's one of the interesting aspects of those games that you can randomly you know not for you know it's not going to be a love story but you can meet them for an afternoon and play along for a mission and then go your separate ways that's more of the you know aspect i'm wondering about like did you randomly get into races with different people or like some events because that was I, a, a part of the game that we're selling pretty hard yeah uh, like i, I did it, it just was it that memorable? Okay. Uh, the the one that pops into my mind is the one where the dude just tried to run me off the road for the entire mission. <laughs> so I mean, griefers still happen, and okay, like, that so sounds I, I, like I don't fun. know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, Forts is my go-to, but I thought the crew had some some unique aspects of it. Mm-hmm. All right, well, the crew two is going to be available uh, next year, I think, uh, in the first quarter, um, and Far Cry Five, as I said, is the end of this year. Um, Something that is not going to be coming at the end of this year, however, uh, is Red Dead Redemption 2. It was delayed to uh, spring 2018, and hearing upon hearing that news, the entirety of the Ubisoft offices and the game industry sighed in relief that uh, the <laughs> the holiday season was saved for many of them. So, so, oh, oh, gotcha. I, and, and the rest of us had no reaction at all because we all knew it was going to be delayed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was supposed to come out in like four months um, and we hadn't seen anything. I mean, there was I was still holding out a little bit of hope that we would see uh, they were saving it for E3. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're still probably going to be seeing a lot uh, about it at E3. But uh, yeah, anyway, spring 2018. And that means that... Uh, 
everyone who's getting their games uh, ready for the holiday season is going to have a chance to sell a little bit more of all of them. Um, hey, The Witcher 3, no, The Witcher is getting a Netflix series. That's like live action drama Netflix series uh, from the original material uh, from the Polish author. can't remember his name. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I've seen a lot of people being very, very uncertain about this. I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it just, I need to see a trailer. I need, I need to see how well budgeted this is. Um, because the Witcher's, the Witcher's world is, uh, I think absolutely awesome and so well realized in the game that I, I just hope it gets the funding that it needs to kind of live up to that, that, that kind of spectacle. Mm. Yeah, uh, it but, can but be a than, cheap series. It can be a low budget thing. Right, right. I have um so I, I hope they hope they go deep. I hope this is like Lord of the Rings, like they really don't pull any punches and they just go really deep into the nerdy lore of everything and I don't know, throw enough uh enough enough butts in there to make everyone happy who wants just another, <laughs> you know, nudity Game of Thrones show. But um yeah, overall I think I mean why not? Which is a great world for it and in the grand scheme of RPGs, uh, I think the main character is pretty well defined. Yeah, you can you can make some decisions within it, but uh, I think if we're if we're going to follow uh, if we're gonna follow, follow uh, Geralt. That uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty well defined character. Well, especially since uh, they're probably gonna be following the the book series, so you know, there it's it's completely established there. Uh, Andrei Sapkowski's uh, book, by the way, uh, The Witcher. So yeah, I'm you know a few uh, as a friend of mine said a few years ago, I would have said this is going to be a slam dunk. Since then, the Netflix offering have varied in, in quality, <laughs> um, and I'm not as convinced that it will be great, but I still think there's a good chance it's going to be. So, oh, um, come on, Patrick. I mean, back when they had like two series, one was House of Cards, the other was Marco Polo. Did you see Marco Polo? Because it has always varied in quality. Oh, you think so? I loved Marco Polo. Oh, I, I thought, thought it was, was brilliant. I thought it was wicked lame. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, okay, yeah, I mean, so not my jam. Really? Okay. Well, you know, I I really loved it. I thought it was it was very very well done and and fascinating in many different ways. So, yeah, I, I'm more. Uh, I was more dissatisfied with the latest um, uh, Netflix Marvel uh, offerings. Mm, like I thought, mm. Iron Fist was horrendous. Horrendous. <laughs> it was terrible. Th I had fun with it, and I would like to thank you and the rest of the internet for talking so much smack that by the time I went to go <laughs> see it, I expected Danny Rand to come out of the TV and hit me in the crotch <laughs> for watching the show. That's what I expected. That was a level of offense I expected to take. Well, we're, you're welcome. We lowered your expectations. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if we mentioned it, but there's also going to be a, a Castlevania uh, animated series coming out of Netflix. So it seems they're trying to capture something video gamey um, somewhere. There were rumors about a Zelda series at some point. I think that didn't pan out. Um, that I think I can't imagine that would be anything other than universally loathed. Yeah. I if they ever made a, a Zelda series. But maybe it means that they're going for other, you know, properties for, for um, gaming. And I mean, we just talked about Destiny. That could be fun, but Overwatch. Imagine a Netflix series 
like a short one, eight episodes focused on uh, or not a short one, a, con- a continual series that plays yeah. out very much like the Avengers that will keep Garrett tuning, <laughs> tuning in every single year. But then I kind of go back to Iron Fist and how they butchered this. And that's, that's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's totally fine. They can't all be hits. Um, South Park is finally coming out. The Fractured But Whole is coming out uh, in October. Um, there's an update for Clash of Clans, which I thought was really interesting. Um, basically, Supercell just updated Clash of Clans in a way that is super clever. Um, they We're getting in a place with mobile games that have where they have so such big communities that it's really hard to create sequels or follow-ups to successful games. Um, it's very reminiscent of what we're, we've seen with MMORPGs, where you build up a community, there's a lot of multiplayer interaction in them, and it's very hard to migrate them to another game. So if uh, Clash of Clans, uh, if Supercell had released Clash of Clans 2, it would have been a very, very risky proposition. I think it would have been pretty much uh, uh, certainly uh, a miss. They would have fractured the community. It would have been really hard to um, to to make that game as big a success as Clash of Clans 1 was. So what they did, again, maybe following the model of MMORPGs, is basically put Clash of Clans 2 in Clash of Clans 1. Um, they uh, put in a boat on the shore of the first base and it was there for a little while and no one really knew what it was. And then when they updated it to include that update, that full update, uh, you could tap on the boat and go to an entirely new, different reset um, base that they called the builder base. Um, And some of the systems... Are, it's still Clash of Clans. You're still going to be collecting uh, the the what is it called elixir and gold, um, and you're still going to be building stuff. And you're going to have the mechanics where you have to wait and you have the energy and you can pay for gems and all of this crap. Um, but there are some differences in gameplay, not the least of which is uh, when you go attack someone else's base, they also attack yours, and the winner is is the one that destroyed the most uh, uh, amount of the other's base. Um, So there is a a more competitive aspect to the PvP in this game where the first one was very... uh, the first base is very um, uh, asymmetrical. And it's so it's interesting because the old base is still there you it's a tap away you can still work on your old base but if you don't want to if you want to start fresh or if you're a returning player and you want to check it out you can go to the new base and it's it's really just like a clash of clans too so i thought that that approach was very interesting they didn't do the everquest everquest one mistake good everquest everquest two you mean yeah or sorry everquest everquest two yes numbers it, how do they work but you know that's that's absolutely the reason it it uh it interested me so much is that you you have the exact same problem and i'm wondering if some other games uh in on mobile aren't going to have to do some things that are similar now of course supercell is a genuinely uh developer focused company so they also have other games and they released uh, clash royale a few uh, uh, last year which was a huge success as we know um 
but yeah for, for to review the existing successes it's uh it's a much more difficult thing to do and that approach seems like the right one yeah there you go. um zenimax is suing samsung now we they're claiming that some of their tech was uh originating from id software and as you know I didn't think that their claims on the original Oculus trial uh, or suit were all that believable. But, I mean, there were questions, I would say. These ones seem like just plain, all right, we got money from Facebook with Oculus. Let's see if we can get something from Samsung. With When you read the claim, it's basically like, oh, well, Carmack was talking with a friend at one point and they were having drinks and they were like oh you know what would be great for vr on mobile yeah that would be awesome all right and now we have uh tech that was conceived at uh id eh, maybe i mean i don't know maybe there is a valid claim it seemed certainly seemed that there was uh in the case of oculus um you know they they did won that uh that suit they did win that suit Although not exactly on the uh, patent aspect of it, so, but still, I mean, I don't know. It's it it's starting to look money grubby for Zenimax. It's fishy. There's a <laughs> there's an odor to this for sure. Yeah, yeah it doesn't feel right. Uh, but who knows? We're not attorneys or juries or judges, so maybe they do have uh, a valid claim. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Grand Theft Auto tops eighty million. Uh, units sold that's sell in but still not sell through to customers but sell to uh sell into stores but still 80 million holy crap that is an incredible number um overwatch had the anniversary event it's been one year one year so do you regret leaving the uh podcast dedicated to overwatch yet I, I don't have that much to say about uh new skins so no not really <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Um, having a lot of fun in it, obviously, uh, personally, but um, that is, you know, Overwatch, I do a whole show dedicated to, the, to that game. So if you want to hear me rave and, and uh, gush about uh, Overwatch and the fact that it's already been a year. And uh, I, I will say one thing, however, um, that I did say in Overwatchers, I went and looked at my videos I did for when the beta first started a year and a half ago. And holy crap, was I bad. I was so bad. It's painful. It's cringeworthy. You know? I mean, that's... I, I, would, I would challenge everyone listening to... Uh, just record yourself playing a new game. And if you stick with it for some time, go back and watch yourself playing it. Because it is hilarious. It really is. And, and you know, you don't realize... It's it's surprising how much you don't realize how much you you progress, because I was really feeling like, yeah, uh, you know, maybe I got a little bit better, but like I'm watching those videos and I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Patrick? Just look around a little bit, like go there or do this, and like I'm getting angry at myself. So I think that was a little bit, you know, it was a positive thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a very similar reaction like that probably like six or seven years ago now. Mm. After after I had played StarCraft 2 for quite a while, I went back and played WarCraft 3. 
and was just like, oh my god, I don't know how I ever beat this game with, <laughs> with the way I used to play. Because now I'm like, like I'm using contr- control groups and box selecting a lot faster and, and shift queuing and all the stuff that I didn't know about or do. And uh, it also made me feel uh, less less proud of ranks I have achieved in games like StarCraft and Heroes because there's probably someone out there playing as poorly as I did. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It made me feel a little bit better uh, about what I've achieved in Overwatch because it was like, oh, I did progress. I did achieve something. Um, but, you know, I, I wonder if there isn't something there uh, to be explored by game developers uh, because it's always so hard in those games to show you that you're doing to show you something positive and i'm wondering if there isn't something to uh the the idea that i don't know capturing some aspect of your gameplay maybe not video but numbers or something making them available throughout your career and or maybe showing you hey this is how you were when you first started and now you're doing so much better not just over your average now but from what you were doing six months or a year ago or two years ago even um i don't know maybe there's something there but uh, it was Maybe yeah just more more robust stat tracking would be interesting just being able to even go back and look at a certain range of my stats and something like heroes of the storm would be cool (laughs) here was your stats in the tech alpha versus now wow you're better exactly exactly yeah all right, I think that is going to be it uh, for us for this episode. Um, a relatively short one, of course. There is E3 right around the the corner, which, uh, by the way, we're I'm going to be covering with uh, Scott as we often do. We're going to be covering the um, most of the conferences live. I might put the. Uh, the the commentary on the this feed I didn't in the past few years because I figured no one cared, but uh, Scott puts them up on uh, on the, his boob show and people seem to appreciate them and I've heard from other people that they like when we comment on on tech uh, conferences and stuff like that so. I'm probably going to put them up on this feed as well, the one I participate in. And uh, if you want to listen, then please do. And if you don't care about that, we will have an episode where we summarize everything that we've seen at E3 um, up on the feed after all the conferences have uh, come and gone. So rest assured, everything will still be there. I had to stifle a laugh because I like it when you talk about Scott's boob show and it makes it you make it sound like you said boob show. <laughs> well, it's either usually it's either the boob show or the poop show. It's one of the two. So um, I'm glad that you went the boob route because the other one is not as fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Talking about fun. Uh, how about you tell the fine people listening where they can find your podcasts, Garrett? Oh, there are, uh, well, I mean, there's one place to find all of them. It's amove.tv. That is A-M-O-V-E dot TV. All of my podcasts are over there. If you like Hearthstone, check out The Angry Chicken. If you like Heroes of the Storm, check out Into the Nexus. And if you want to hear me talk more uh, Destiny, the most recent episode of my solo show, The Angry Nerd, uh, is just about that. If you want to hear me uh, ramble on about why I'm really into the the concept and art direction of the new worlds that we're going to be traveling to, I, I, I did a pretty deep dive into my art nerdiness there. Ooh, cool. I'm going to go listen to that. Um, I am not Patrick on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me there. I'm also uh, available. I'm available on Frenchspin.com. That's the website where I put up the shows I produce. Uh, If you enjoyed the little bit of 
political discussion we had in the middle of this show, you might enjoy the Fides Club, where we talk about politics and world events with people from different countries, different backgrounds. The latest episode, we had someone from Brazil and a couple of my conservative friends from the US uh, in an effort to burst our filter bubbles, uh, because I'm in a more... Um, liberal uh, bubble, I would say. We had a couple of interesting conversations there. Um, and I will also be putting, I think, this show on um, YouTube, just the audio, you know, with a static image, but uh, I have a process to automate that now. And some people have expressed interest in uh, having them on YouTube. So you can find me at uh, youtube.com slash Patrick Beja there. There are French shows and English shows, but you know, you can uh, choose which ones you listen to. So That's uh, useful as well, as well for some people. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And we will be back with the craziness of E3 in uh, just a very short while. Talk to you then. Bye. Take care. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.